Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. As we are here to discuss the terrible, awful, not fun to watch game from Monday night between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys, and to get you set for home game number two and game number four on the season between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm your host, LJ Harrell, and joining me as always is my co host, Connor Donald. Connor, Monday was not fun. No, no, it was not. It was a tough game to watch, but it just went to show you, you know, Atlanta's not good. San yeah. Francisco just What's that was say about very, the Giants then? <laughs> well, exactly. And 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 San Francisco, their offense was just stagnant. They couldn't really do a whole lot. I think this exposed a lot of the stuff that we knew was potentially possible with the Eagles. But that we didn't want to think of because of how the first two games went. We were like, well, maybe not. But they kind of showed, they kind of showed, especially heading into this gauntlet of four games, that there are a lot of weaknesses. We need to figure out what we have, what we can move forward with, and what we can't move forward with. And this gauntlet of matchups where we're facing the uh, 2020 Super Bowl Chiefs and Buccaneers and then two undefeated teams. Yes, I understand. I think it's Carolina and and the Raiders and are either team for real. That doesn't matter. They're three and oh, nonetheless. Yeah, they are. And before we get started, as always, please rate and review our show wherever you are listening to us at right now. And follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow follow Connor on Twitter at Connor 10 and follow me on Twitter at LJ Harrell 54. Connor does a great job. On game days, keeping our Twitter update, um, get, keep our putting out live tweets of the game, um, and Connor, or and also follow our partners over at Sports Talk Philly. Connor is working on his preview piece for the Eagles Chiefs game coming up, so we'll get a, we'll get a little tidbit on what Connor has coming up for that later on in the show. But yeah, th- that game plan Monday night was not good at all. When you hand the ball off three times and you give the ball twice to your star running back who is number one in the NFL on yards per carry on first down, averaging, I think, 8.7 yards a carry. And in his first carry, which came late in the second quarter, I think with about seven minutes left, he, he busted off a 24-yard run. And then you don't give it to him again until the third quarter. Like, the game plan made zero sense. When you look at what the game plan Nick Sirianni put together week one, compared to the game plan, and, and I, I get it, there's ta- the talent level between Atlanta and Dallas is different. Um, and then the game plan he put it on Monday night. Something tells me that somebody got into his ear. I don't know if it was Howie Roseman. I don't know if it was Jeffrey Lurie. But you don't put a game plan together where you run, hand the ball off three times. That does not happen. And when that happens, there's something going on. Um, I, look, I'm not saying that Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman are telling Nick Sirianni what plays to, to run th- throughout the week. Like, they, hey, this is what we want you to do. You know, don't run the ball too much, but they need to stay out of it. Let You hired Sirianni for a reason. Let him coach. It is becoming laughable. It, it was laughable that you have a quarterback who is struggling who and, and a banged-up offensive line, and you come out and don't run the football. Running the football helps set up a play action because if you're going to run a play action, the, the, the defense isn't going to bite on it when you're not running the football. It made zero sense, and I look. I'm not saying Sirianni's going to come out against the Chief and run the ball 50 times, but give the, your star running back, the guy who has the potential to break off a run 
of 50 plus yards whenever he touches it, give him a chance. When you don't give him a chance, that bothers me. And that game plan on Monday night was the worst game plan I think I've ever seen in the history of the NFL. Yeah, it was definitely an extremely frustrating one to watch. And I was laughing at points of that game because, well, many points of that game. But one of the biggest things was in my preview piece last week when I was talking about the Dallas Cowboys game, my key player to watch for Philadelphia was Miles Sanders. I kid you not. I said the Eagles yeah, we can watched help. we him on the sideline for sure. Exactly. And I said the Eagles can help dictate the flow of the game by using Miles Sanders. They have a nice tandem in Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell. It would keep the offense. It could. They could keep the offense on the field. They could keep the ball moving. They could help open up the passing game. It, all these points were points that I made in the preview piece. I said, this is a guy you need to use. And instead, it worked completely the opposite because it was Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard who literally ran all over our defense because Jonathan Gannon, as much as I love him and respect him, and, you know, he is, he is a bright young mind and I get it, that too high safety set was not working at all. So you talk about the offensive game plan which we could rant about, but the defensive game plan really was no better. We weren't giving up any big plays through the air, but the middle of the field, the safeties, the linebackers were a major weakness. Early on, they gave up the big play to to C.D. Lamb, but Jonathan Gannon got outcoached by Kellen Moore. It was plain and Mm -hmm. simple. Gannon didn't adjust at all. Sirianni didn't adjust um, at all to Dan Quinn. Look, Dallas's defense is better than last year, but you can still make plays on them. You can still get the ball. You know, you, you can run the ball on them, you, and then you can use play action to get the ball downfield. You know, Trayvon Diggs and Anthony Brown were sitting on the curl routes that the that the Eagles were running. They didn't try anything. The one deep play that they threw to Quez Watkins, he he like jumped over, he mossed somebody, but like it, it was just astounding when your quarterback is struggling. You, you got to help them out with the running game. And, and they didn't do that. And the one other thing, and the thing that bothered me, like, look, I like Jalen Hurts, but he's a one read quarterback right now. If he doesn't see his first read, he's running. And that's not how an offense should be set up. And that's why there's all this talk and all these reports and all these rumors coming out that the, that Jeffrey Lurie is saying, go out and get, get Deshaun Watson, do what needs to be done. Uh, and while I'm not saying it's, it's going to happen um, or should it happen, but, like if if you're not going to trust your young quarterback to to run the offense, what is the point of even putting him out there? Like the one thing we needed to figure out this year is if Jalen Hurts is the guy. And as of right now, looking at um, the way that the Eagles are running their offense, they don't trust them. They have zero trust in Jalen Hurts, and that's not the way you're, that this season was supposed to be going. No, definitely not. I mean, the one read, the one read is very concerning. The one read is something that a lot of analysts say this is kind of what I saw from him originally. Obviously, the the game play between college and the NFL is very different, but it was something that some analysts kind of had pointed out as a potential weakness for him. And the fact that we're seeing it now and the amount that he had to presumably run for his life or felt that he had to be running for his life was not good to see because overall the offensive line wasn't terrible like I don't want to say like I mean we we had another major injury obviously Isaac Samalu done for this season he broke a couple bones in his foot which hurts as well 
Um, but I mean, they didn't play bad. Like Andre Dillard did not play terrible. I mean, in interior was they had their moments, you know, they struggled with uh, that defensive lineman for Dallas. Uh, I'll call him Osa because I don't have a damn clue how to pronounce his last name. Oh, yeah, the rookie. Yep. Yeah, the rookie, the third round pick there. And he had a really good game on the interior. But I mean, overall, the, the offensive line wasn't bad, but yet somehow it, he just stared down his first read for three or four seconds and then the pocket collapsed or he felt he had to get out of the pocket and it's just like that that was a lot of time wasted a lot of time that he should have spent you should be only on your first read for one two seconds and then scan the field quickly and figure out what you got to do like you or you should be scanning immediately but it feels like this playbook is made with you know just one read in mind and then after that it's pretty much a failure failure for 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 Jalen Hurts and it was really it was really frustrating to watch and it's even more frustrating to think we could have had Trayvon Diggs we could have had Micah Parsons these are decisions we could have made on the defensive side ball I much much, much rather have Trayvon Diggs than Micah Parsons but yeah our Diggs would have looked good he was picked in the second round by Dallas we could have picked him I think or did he get picked before Jalen Hurts did he get picked before or after I don't remember um, I, I, yeah, I'd have to look, but um, but yeah, like so they were both in the second round. It doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I'm bringing your your jinxness up again because another offensive lineman got hurt. You mentioned Isaac Sayamalu with his Liz Frank injury. This will be the third different starting offensive line combination in four games that the Eagles are going to have um, after having what 14 and 16 games last year. So this is a good start. Um, so my my lot is not playing. So Dillard will still be at left tackle. I think they should put Dickerson at left guard, Kelsey at center, Herbig or Driscoll at right guard, and then Lane Johnson at right tackle. But still, look, when you have new new pieces in there, run the football. It's a sometimes it's a lot easier to run block because you're you're going straight out. You're gonna be able to attack first, attack the defensive lineman across from you first, then pass block and allowing, you know, teams that are gonna blitz or these pass rushers that come away come with these different moves to, to beat you in a one-on-one battle. They, Nick Tiriani did not help out his offense last week. Um, so that, that needs to change. I, I'm not, and again, I'm not saying run the ball 50 times and overcompensate for not running it last week. But sometimes when, if you see that your quarterback is struggling, help him out, hand the ball off. Use, you have uh, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, use them. Um, they're, they're good out the backfield. So th- that game plan was just really rough. Um, the, and we, you talk, we talked about the Eagles defense. They started off pretty good. Got the the, sack, the fumble um, by Fle- uh, Javon Hargraves forcing the fumble. Um, Fletcher Cox catching it in the end zone for a, uh, a defensive touchdown. It was looking good. But then the defense just couldn't get off the field. They really missed Brandon Graham last week. Another dumb offsides penalty with by Derek Barnett. And, and you saw the video of Nick Sirianni saying it's always him. It is always him. This is his fifth year. He's He's got 20 penalties in his five years so far. He makes the dumbest penalties at the worst times for the Eagles. They better not resign him. I'm glad that this. hopefully this will be his last year because he is just an abomination to watch out in the field. Against San Francisco, he had that dumb personal foul penalty. Last week, a third and seven went to a third and two, and then Dallas made it 20-7 to seven a couple of plays later. They have to figure this out because the – you know, 
or he needs to figure it out because he's putting the defense and putting the team in bad positions every time he commits one of those dumbass penalties that he commits. Yeah, and I mean, when we talk about defensively, I don't think that I think that Nick Sirianni didn't really help the defense either because he didn't. They were exhausted by the end of like the first quarter. I mean, look at the possessions alone. Eagles offense, a minute and six seconds, a minute and six seconds, a minute and 31 seconds, two minutes and 10 seconds. Those are not times of possession good enough. That's not enough time on possession to give your defense the break and the time that they need, especially when look at the Dallas Cowboys. Three minutes, four minutes, three minutes, seven minutes and 50 seconds. Like, that's just the first quarter alone. We haven't even dipped into looking at the time of possession uh, on drives in the second quarter, the third quarter, and the fourth quarter. They were exhausted. They were beaten down. And obviously, when you when they're running the ball on you like that, that is also very difficult for a defense to get over because the guys are just getting run over. They're getting trucked. They're getting even more exhausted trying to stop these guys and trying to make the tackle because, as we know, Zeke and Pollard ran all over us because, like we were both mentioning, the too high safety set, no additional help in the box. Kellen Moore saw that. Kellen Moore realized that. And Jonathan Gannon refused to adjust to what was happening. But could that be, you know, speaking to maybe the confidence that he has in, in like, Steven Nelson? We've seen Steven Nelson struggle a bit this year in coverage. And we saw a couple of plays where he broke down in the Dallas game. Maybe that's a sign, like, maybe he doesn't trust his secondary enough to not have the too high safety look. But obviously you can't trust the front, well, you can trust the front four, but you can't trust the linebacking room because they were no better because that's where they got abused by Dalton Schultz, Tony Pollard, and Ezekiel Elliott. So, I mean... As much as we want to talk, you know, you look at the score 41-21 and you want to talk about how much a defense struggled, I think it always has to come back to the offense. I think there's far less that you can say about the defense compared to the offense. Yeah, I agree with you on that. It, it, uh, especially when you run 18 first-half plays, the time of possession was way out of whack. So, again, the Eagles have to offensively have to figure it out. You can't keep going three and out. It was like watching Chip, a Chip Kelly offense when the Eagles were bad under Chip Kelly. Um, we, we, they need to figure out a way to stay on the field, get, get first downs, and allow the defense to get a breather because any defenses that's going to be out on the field for 50, 60, 70, 80 plays, 90 plays, like it, it's not going to be fun for you to watch the defense, and it's not fun as a defender when you're out there on the field all the time. And then, that, I mean, that could have told the Eagles defense what he was doing like telling them, look, we're going to run it right here. And the Eagles weren't touching Zeke or, or Pollard five, until five, six, seven yards down the field. So that was definitely frustrating. Hopefully they're f- able to figure it out. But it's going to be tough because there's a tough opponent this week in the Kansas City Chiefs. The Eagles had, the, you know, that Niners game was really big because if the Eagles could have won that and gone 2-0, and oh, it, it would have helped them because this guy, they're looking 1-6 in the, in, in the um, face right now. They're one and two right now. They have the Chiefs, and you, you talked about the schedule. They have the Chiefs, then they're at Carolina, then they host Tampa on Thursday night, and then they're at LA, or excuse me, Las Vegas, the Raiders. It's not an easy schedule, not an easy schedule at all. So the Eagles are kind of putting themselves in a hole. We talked about if they're able to just keep their head above water before we get to that second half of the schedule, where they're not taking a plane after November or like 
from the beginning of November on, they got to go to Jersey twice. They got to go to Washington, like, and they got a bunch of home games and division games. They'd have a chance, but it's not looking like that. And I never thought we would be sitting here thinking, should should we start focusing on some of these quarterbacks that are going to be coming out? Matt Corral, Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler. Like, should we be scouting them on Saturdays watching college football? Because maybe that's what the Eagles are going to have to use one of their first round picks for. Like, we didn't think that we were going to have to, or we, we were hoping we didn't have to use draft capital on a quarterback. Whether that is one of these rookie, um, not rookie, um, one of these quarterbacks that are coming out of, of college or whether that's Deshaun Watson. Never thought we would have to be thinking about that, but it's looking like that right now because it's ever apparent that they just have zero trust in um, Jalen Hurts right now because they're not opening up the playbook. He's, I mentioned it before, and you reiterated it as well. It seems like he's a one-read quarterback right now, and you can't win like that in the NFL when you have a quarterback that can't scan the field and his arm, like he had, I think it was Jalen Rager, wide open on that first touch, or it wasn't wide open, but if you lead him to the back of the end zone, it's not an interception at least, but he underthrew him, and he's underthrown his receivers multiple times so far in the first three games of the year. Definitely that one, that pick where he underthrew, like, that that was just ugly. You, you that's just bad. Like when you look at like Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions and all the ridicule that he suffered, he's looking better than Jalen Hurts right now, and he has far less weaponry to work with in Detroit right now. So like when you can sit there and you can talk about other teams' quarterbacks like that who were have been ridiculed for the last couple seasons, that's not a good look. And the only thing that makes Drafting a quarterback, swallowing that pill a little bit easier for me is the way that the Colts are looking and the fact that Carson, Carson Wentz continues to play and is playing the adequate snaps to maybe make it three first-round picks. That makes it a much easier pill to swallow with three first-round picks. But And I know the over, it's kind of an early overreaction. I'm not 100% sold that there's multiple franchise difference-making quarterbacks coming out of this draft. Oh, I, I don't, don't think there are. Um, I don't, like, I know it's early. There's a lot of a reaction. Some people are saying, you know, relax, take, like, it's still early. Let these people, let them get their feet under them. But there's, it's, I mean, what? They have 12 games in college football. You're four games deep, or four weeks deep, going into week five, I think. And you're sitting there and you're saying, relax, relax. Well, we've already seen, we've, we're already, what, a quarter of the season's elapsed and you're telling us to relax that there's so much more to see you got to start seeing things early and often in in college football especially when you have less years to make these things happen especially when some of these guys are playing the most meaningful football of their lives in this in their junior year and this is it this is all that this is the biggest chunk of tape you're going to see this is all you're going to see and so far none of them are standing out as like not even Spencer Rattler is standing out as this franchise-altering quarterback right now with the, yeah, with what he's got us. in Oklahoma. Exactly. So, I mean, are we prepared to – and then you look at the Deshaun Watson situation. I always point back to what, ha- what has happened in the past, you know, the precedent that's been set. You saw a six-game suspension that got lessened to four for Ben Roethlisberger. Not the exact same case, but a similar case that ended being settled. There were no criminal charges brought up. He had a four-game suspension. One woman. There are 20 women in this case. There is a very realistic chance that we may not ever see Deshaun Watson in the NFL again. 
I think there is a very realistic chance if you look at precedent and stuff, you at least I can almost guarantee you're not going to see them for a couple seasons because I feel like when the NFL does come down that they cannot settle for giving them any less than at least 17 games with the amount of women and just the sheer situation that's been built around it. So I would stay away from Watson, but to the same point, looking at the quarterback situation in the draft, maybe we're better with giving Jalen Hurts more time. I don't know. So my question, I want to go back to this uh, Carson thing for a quick second. They're 0-3 right now, looking at 0-4, looking at 0-4. Going to Miami, I believe. But do you honestly think that the the Colts will play him the requisite amount of snaps if, say, we get to week 10, 11, 12, and they're 2-10, and 10, and there's no shot at them making the playoffs? Do you think they'd bench him so that they keep their first-round pick? Because I could see that happening. If, if the Colts are playing very, really bad and we already know he has the two-foot injuries, they could just bench him and the Eagles won't see that first-round pick. Hundred percent. I think it's a very realistic possibility that if they lose, uh, you know, over the next four weeks, like if we're looking at the next four weeks for Philadelphia, say you look at the next four weeks for Indy and they come out of that with only one win or zero wins, hundred percent. That's a very realistic possibility because then they haven't won, right? They're zero and three, so they'd be staring down like a, a one and six or zero and seven record. I think there's no way they let that first round pick get get away from them because they know that that first round pick could be their future quarterback. Because at the end of this year, Carson Wentz can be cut, I believe, for zero dollars. I think this was you had to get through this season and then the dead money literally was gone. That's why it was such a team friendly deal at the time. And obviously, hindsight being 2020, it completely bombed for us, even though it was a team friendly deal. But if you can get out from under Carson Wentz for pretty much zero dollars and then you can take this top what's looking like a top five pick and turn it into your potential future franchise quarterback 100% the Colts would do that yeah so and I I would not I if if it was the Eagles it let's flip the table we would expect the Eagles to do the exact same thing keep that first round pick in place keep it in home and let's think about it like this that second round pick that we're going to get from them could very well be almost like a first round pick because it's going to be in the top five, top, top eight of the second round too. So it's still a high end pick no matter, but obviously you want that first round pick. But I mean, we have to be realistic. We would do the same thing. We would well, pull Eagles, that quarterback. The Eagles lost intentionally week 17 last year. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if that's something that they did. If, it, if the roles were reversed. Yeah, we can't be mad. We have to be realistic about it. So, and it could be just Carson wanting to screw the Eagles over one more time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we'll, we'll see how things go. But, yeah, that was an ugly game Monday night. Um, if there is a player or a play of the game, I think the play of the game would be the for the defense in the first quarter, the, the Fletcher Cox fumble recovery-ish in the end zone. And Javon Hargraves, I think, was the player of the game for the Eagles. Um, Quez Watkins probably deserves some. Quez Watkins has caught everything thrown his way. I think he needs to be considered for starting over Jalen Reagan. Reagan doesn't do much for me out there right now. He, he And while, look, I know Jalen's not throwing the, the best passes to him, um, but he, he doesn't seem to be winning. And Jalen's, Jalen also is struggling, too. He's throwing behind his receivers. Um, the, he, he's throwing late because Devontae Smith, you know, would have a couple yards of separation against Tra- Trayvon Diggs, and, and Hurts is throwing it late and allowing Diggs to get there. 
to either intercept him for that touchdown or to, to knock it, to have a pass breakup. So it was it, like, for my, my vantage point, it was just, it's hard to pick a player or a player of the game, but those two, I mean, Javon Hargraves, he's Hargrave, excuse me. He's, he's been the Eagles best defensive player easily all year. Um, and that defensive touchdown by the Eagles is, I think, the easy way to go. 100%. Because after that play, it really went downhill from there. Um, I mean, thank God we have a really good punter because he buried <laughs> Dallas a bunch of times, but Dallas still obviously dug their way out of some of those situations. But yeah, I mean, you say Javon Hargrave's the best defensive player. He's the MVP of the Eagles right now. Two, oh, three games without a doubt. So he's just been such an incredible piece, and it's a shame that we're wasting such great play by him. Um, even Hassan Ridgeway's had some good play. Fletcher Cox has been playing well. Like that whole interior defensive line's been playing so well, and it, it's, it's just a shame that it's going to waste. Um, because, I mean, as much as you expect the interior of the defensive line to not allow the runs to happen, you also have to expect, you know, have confidence in the three men behind you that, they're going to be able to help you or the two men beside you on the edges are going to be able to help you if the run gets through those holes that were being made. But I mean, you got to give some credit to the offensive line for Dallas too, despite how like they're kind they were kind of backed up against the wall with, you know, some injuries and some situations along that offensive line early in the season. They looked really good. They were opening those holes with ease. So it was all on the linebackers to make the plays and they couldn't make anything happen. Nope, Eric Wilson, who I thought was going to be a good pickup for the Eagles. He's he's really disappointed. Alex Singleton um, hasn't been that great. Uh, TJ Edwards ha- hasn't been that great. It, yeah, the, again, the Eagles don't prioritize linebacker, and it's really showing. So let's move for let's move on to Shady McCoy signed a one year contract or one day excuse me contract with the Eagles to retire an Eagle. And I'm going to go and I'm going to say this: he should have never been traded, Chip Kelly. Killed that team, by the way. The team was good, had a lot of young talent, and Chip Kelly got rid of Jackson, didn't call Macklin back, traded Shady for freaking Kiko Alonzo. He ruined he ruined the, the, the Eagles. But what are your um, thoughts on Sh- Sh- LaShawn McCoy retiring as an Eagle and maybe your favorite memory of LaShawn McCoy in his time with the Philadelphia Eagles? Um, For me, uh yeah, I agree with you. He never should have been dealt. He was just like really entering into the prime of his career. And we dealt him for Kiko Alonso. Kiko Alonso literally became nothing. Um, and LaShawn McCoy went off to do some pretty decent things in Buffalo and then just kind of rode the coattails of some champion, clear championship teams. Um, but, I mean, he... he He's he's a Hall of Famer, 100%. He's a Hall of Famer. He's an Eagles Hall of Famer. You think about the snow game. Um, somebody posted uh, a video of when he was running and and a guy who was trying to chase him down like pulled their hamstring. I that that memory was hilarious too. There's so many great memories with Lashawn McCoy, um, and he did some really great things. And I mean, we, we're just looking for the next Lashawn McCoy for us. And you know what? I, not, we definitely don't have it in a guy like Miles Sanders, but we have a guy who can be used so similarly and who can do so much damage. And it it just makes you think back to like, you, you're not going to see running backs like LaShawn McCoy too much more in the NFL. Those guys who can literally do it all and take the lion's share of the workload and literally carry 
the backfield for you because teams are looking more at players who, you know, the running backs who can giving them each their own job, their own role. We see it with Kenneth Gainwell a little bit. We see it already, like, look at Indianapolis. You see with Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines. And so you're just not going to see LaShawn McCoy's come around so much anymore. It's such a dying breed of running back now. Um, so, I mean, there's a, obviously there's some great memories. It's so nice to see him come back on the one-day contract and retire a Philadelphia Eagle. Um, you You see the respect that the team has for him to do that and stuff. So, I mean, there's so many great memories. There's just so much to, so much that we can thank LaShawn McCoy for. And the only thing we can say is it's a shame we couldn't bring him a championship. Yeah, I wish he was here in 2017. He deserved to win one here, just like Brian Dawkins deserved to win one here. Um, but, yeah, you know, that snowball game, I always remember where, like, where I was at. That game was amazing to watch. Um, he was just, you know, his, his Twitter handle caught on the dime 25, like, he could cut on a dime and leave leave people, you know, in 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 his dust. He he was just a spectacular talent. Um, great pick, second round pick out of um, the University of Pittsburgh. Um, from went to to high school at Bishop McDevitt out in the west coast of the state. So like he was Pennsylvania through and through. And then Chip Kelly had to go and ruin that. Um, but yeah, I, I love you know he was one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, I have his jersey still. I'll probably wear that for tomorrow, you know, for the game on Sunday against the Chiefs. Um, and it, it makes sense for him to want to retire and, and get honored at, at this at this game when Andy Reid's coming back to town. Also, you mentioned he's a Hall of Fame running back. I know he's an Eagles Hall of Famer. Do you really think he's a pro football Hall of Famer? It's going to be close. It's going to be close. I mean, that could just be my favoritism for him from a Philadelphia perspective. But, uh-huh. I, I mean – I think he could be. I think he could be. So I mean, it's like it's the, the one thing that makes it tough is you could say, yeah, he's a two-time Super Bowl champ, but he didn't play in either of the Super Bowls. He was he was he wasn't even activated. No, the Super games. Bowls are pretty much washes. He he got a ring. He was part of the team. He just like I said, he rode the coattails. So that's the only thing. And standing in the way is what? How much meaning do you put to winning championships? to get mm-hmm. into the Hall of Fame. And that that's what it's going to come down to from a voting perspective, is how much weight are they going to put on it. But I also think it's going to depend on who he's going up against in those years. Yeah, so five years from now. Yeah, exactly. Five uh, years from now, who you're going to be looking at, him, your vote having to go to this guy or this yeah. guy, and the weight that you're going to put on having a Super Bowl ring that matters. Yeah, well, I mean, every, I want to say every Super Bowl ring matters, and for LaShawn McCoy, obviously this Super Bowl, those Super Bowl rings matter. But you're right; he didn't play. He barely even played through the whole playoffs. Yeah, that's true. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But you know, the Eagles haven't issued out his number since he left. Um, so they have those unofficially unretired numbers, like number twelve. Um, Randall Cunningham's jersey hasn't been given; it's not officially retired. Um, Twenty-five, not officially retired. I also think thirty-six shouldn't be given out, but. That's just me, too, because Brian Westbrook's also an all-time legend Eagle player. Um, it'll be interesting to see how long it takes for them to give out number 11. Um, number 10 also I don't think should be given out, but they give it to freaking Nick Mullins, and now Gardner Minshew has it. So we'll see um, how, how that goes. But I, I, I'm definitely going to be interested. Number 11 is, is the big one. I want to know when and if they're ever going to – or when they, they're going to give it out. There's no if. It's just a matter of when that'll be. Will it be next year? Will it be a couple years down the road? Um, 
There's another reunion of sorts this weekend. As I mentioned, Andy Reid's back in town with the Chiefs. Your, your favorite, we know Andy Reid's a top five coach in NFL history. Um, he's got his Super Bowl. He's been the three, been the three as a head coach, finally got his win two years ago. Um, that kind of solidified his place in, in, in the Hall of Fame. He'll definitely be a Hall of Fame head coach. Uh, what are some of your thoughts, your favorite memories of Andy Reid as the Eagles head coach? First thought is, uh, thank God he's okay. Whatever happened last week, Very I mean, true, yes. we don't know. Um, but thank goodness he's okay. And and that hopefully, I mean, he's not the, the epitome of health, obviously. But you never want to see anything bad happen to Andy Reid. Uh, we always want to, like... We're okay with the Chiefs winning a Super Bowl over some of uh, many other teams in the NFL if we had to choose who we want to win a Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, it, it, I would be remiss to name just a couple memories because there are so many memories. And there's j he's just such a staple in Philadelphia Eagles history. And, again, it's just a shame he couldn't get it done and couldn't get that championship here in, in Philadelphia. But, I mean, obviously – Nothing but respect. There's no reason to boo that man. Just like Tom Brady returning to New England, there is no reason to boo that man or give him any sort of disrespect because these guys did so much for the franchises that they were previously with. He was with us for so many years. He brought us so close so many times. Um, so, I mean, it's always fun to talk about him and know that he's coming back and that he's doing good things in Kansas City and that, you know, this one and two start is going to be a complete wash five or six weeks from now when they've only lost one or two games and they're above 500 and treading back towards winning the AFC West again. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I, I kind of has me thinking, like, do you think, you know, how the end of Andy Reid's tenure in, in Philly, it, 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 everybody knew it was over. Just he, it, a change for both sides was needed. Do you feel that that could be coming to? And I'm not saying it's going to be this year, um, but do you think think that could be coming to a head in Kansas City? Like uh, they're, they're winning and they're really good because they have Patrick Mahomes. He's he's an all time talent at quarterback. Um, you have great skill position players in Travis Kelsey and and Tyree Hill, um, and we know Andy can coach. But do you think that like? He's been there for so long that maybe it, it could be getting to the point to where the stuff he starts to say goes in one year, one year and out the other, and it may be time for a change for Kansas City. I think, you know what, the, the potential could be there. I mean, you have to think about it like Eric Bieniemy's still around, and he's had multiple seasons where you would have thought that there would be an opportunity to move on and to get a head coaching job, which makes you kind of think like, you know, with this health care and health scare and stuff of this past week and the things going on with his son and stuff, could it be time for Jajandi Reed himself, a mutual step in a way um, in general? Uh, for Andy Reid could come. I don't think they're ever going to fire him or let him go in that way. I think it would be something mutual. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Eric Bieniemy's still around. A guy like Kellen Moore is emerging massively as a head coaching candidate. Um, there's going to be a lot of good head coaching candidates who can do a lot with that offense um, and can do a lot with Patrick Mahomes. I wouldn't be surprised if something mutual came over the next couple seasons. Because I feel like it's just Andy Reid's time, you know. You won the big one. 
you've coached for 20 plus years yeah Yeah, like you've been doing it forever and like you have your health scare you have your your things to take care of with your sons and stuff eventually you know it almost feels like you kind of got to step away from the game and do what's best for you and kind of try and live your life and you know what there's probably jobs for him uh, consultant jobs or potentially you know on-air jobs his personality doesn't really match an on-air job but you never know um so, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Some sort of mutual departure could be coming and could be imminent. I agree. Yeah, hopefully it's it's more of a, like you said, a mutual thing and it's on his own terms. It's not like he's forced to, to retire or forced to go. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, Big Red's back in town. So before we get to our Eagles Chiefs, you know, diving into the game, our favorite segment, the unheralded player of the week in the NFL from week three. A lot of choices, I believe, around the league. We can finally not talk about the Eagles for a quick second. Um, but who is your unheralded player of the week? Um, I hate to do this to you because you said we don't have to talk about the Eagles, so I'll try not to mention the Eagles. But I'm going with uh, the uh, third-round pick for the Dallas Cowboys, Osa Odigizua, I think is how it's pronounced. It was between him and Micah Parsons for me this week because Micah Parsons has been an absolute monster. Drafted him as a linebacker, using him as a defensive edge. But then you look at it, he had a QB hit. He had a pass defended. He had a tackle for a loss. And then you look at Osio Digazua and he had two quarterback hits. You know, he actually ranks currently ranks eighth in total pressures in the whole league. And he actually ranked eighth last week in pressures. He had four total pressures um, two of them lead into sacks. Two of them just lead into hurries. For a third-round pick, really good investment. Really getting a good return on investment. And that defensive line is looking, you know, not too bad. They're look, they're looking like they could be something special. They're kind of, you know, undersized but speedy off uh, defensive line. And we know that that can do some damage to some offensive lines. So. Um, it was the debatable between those two uh, defensive linemen for me in the Eagles and Cowboys game. I can't believe you did that. I'm going to go with – now, I'm, I'm going – he's unheralded because of his position, but he's also the best at his position. It might be one of the best of all time. I'm going Justin Tucker, 66-yard field goal at the end of the game in Detroit to beat the Lions, 66 indoors. And and they're going to Denver this week, I think. So he has a chance to, if he wanted to probably kick a 70-yarder in that high altitude, he might be able to. But the NFL record of 66 yards was outstanding. And you got to give Lamar Jackson a lot of credit, too, um, for getting them into that position down the stretch. Um you know, and give Detroit credit too because they played really well. Honestly, though, Hollywood Brown dropping two, possibly three touchdowns really hurt. And I'm all, and I'm not only saying that because I had him starting in fantasy. I also have Justin Tucker in fantasy, so having that 66 yard field goal was awesome. But yeah, like that when that kick, it, he's so accurate. So everybody knew the accuracy was there. I didn't know if he had the leg, and when it hit that upright, and you saw the 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 fans behind behind that um field goal or b- behind the uprights right there there were a couple there were a couple uh, Baltimore fans and then a bunch of Lions fans obviously and you just saw the the different reactions between both 
And when it bounced over, it was just crazy. That was that was one of obviously one of the best kicks you'll ever see in the NFL. Um, but yeah, he boomed that one. And we don't give kickers enough credit sometimes. Um, and like I said, I know it's hard to be on Harold it when you're the best kicker in the league and, and, and to go down as one of the best kickers of all time. But again, kickers don't get enough credit. And when you kick a 66 yarder, you deserve all the credit in the world. Justin Tucker, my unheralded player of the week from week three in the NFL. Man, I, I can definitely agree with that. And I can attest to that. You look at teams and the turnover of punters and kickers. Um, it's it's tough to find the, the like you said, accurate. A, you see so many missing those chip shots and those point afters now. And B, the lag like that. And at his age to continue to maintain mm-hmm. it. Incredible. I, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. So... We'll see who can be the unheralded player of the week here in week four in the National Football League, which we will definitely, again, bring up next week in our favorite segment here on the Kelly Green Hour. And now let's move. The one and two Philadelphia Eagles hosting the one and two Kansas City. I can't believe they're one and two. Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, um, Clyde Edward Hilaire um, coming to town, Andy Reid bringing them team, Steve Spagnola. The defensive coordinator coming back to Philly. It's like it's a reunion, a Philadelphia reunion, obviously. Um, when you look at the coaching staff, Greg Ward's the receiver coach. Um, they have, um, Eric Bieniemy used to run, play running back for the Eagles for, I think, a year. So it's, it's a bunch of great. Um, Mike Kafka is the quarterback's coach. Like, if you look at that um, Kansas City Chiefs, um, excuse me, if you look at the Kansas City Chiefs coaching staff, it's riddled with former Philadelphia Eagles. Um, the Chiefs are coming in pissed off and they need a win they need to get back on track and this may be it Connor this may be the right deal for them um to get back on track offensively against the Eagles defense which we haven't which we've seen cannot hasn't made many adjustments over the first three weeks of the year oh definitely you know they're coming in pissed off and rightfully so you got a team who's averaging 30 points for but they're averaging 31 points against so you you know like that there's something wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs defense overall. They're struggling. They're giving up a lot of points, um, but they're losing close games too. All games, one possession. You see the Browns week one, 33-29. The Ravens 36-35. The Chargers 30-24. Like they're trying. And I mean, I'm listening to some some national uh, listeners and podcasts actually. They they said like. One of the things it was Greg Cosella was on and he said they have to bring things back to basics for Patrick Mahomes. It feels like he takes a snap and he's immediately rolling out. It feels like he's not taking his time. He's not going through his reads. He's just there's always something being rushed and it's or he's trying to make that big play. And it's like maybe you got to slow things down, bring it back to basics for for the entire offense and then the offense can settle in more but there's so many more question marks on the defensive side of the ball they continue even last year the defense was middle of the pack they weren't top bottom of the league but they were right in the middle of the pack and they did literally nothing to address almost any aspects of the defensive side of the football in the offseason and it definitely is showing for sure yeah and if the eagles want to get their offense right as you mentioned, the, the the defense for Kansas City is ripe for the picking. So this could be a, a high-scoring game. For the Eagles' defense, I don't know how they're going to do it, but Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, 
Um, Travis, like so the Eagles struggled last week against Dalton, the, the tight ends for Dallas, Dalton Schultz. Um, did Blake Jarwin play? I don't even know. But um, they, they he did sh- play. He didn't Schultz, do a ton, but he played. Yeah, Schultz had had a couple of big catches. But the week before against George Kittle, who's who's up there as a top one, two tight end in the league, they shut they 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 shut him down. And then Kyle Pitts week one, obviously his first game. But and before before we came on, you were talking about how um the the the, the Falcons are probably using Kyle Pitts wrong right now because um, they're trying to fill that void of not having Julio Jones on the outside. But yeah, the Eagles, you know, it, it's going to come down to, can they stop Travis Kelsey um, and Tyreek Hill? If he goes off, whatever. I mean, I have him on a fantasy team, so that's not really the reason why, but um, like you, you want to try to force others to beat you, but they have so many weapons on that side of, of the football and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he threw a couple of picks last week. You know, this is the first time he's lost games in September it's the first time he's throwing picks at home in September, but one was on a no look pass. Which look when he when he makes those plays, it we're all we're with we we're all in awe of what he can do. But when he does that and it's it's a turnover, you know he he's got to take some of the heat for it as well. So Pat, Patrick Mahomes needs to find a way to get back on Pat, the Patrick Mahomes level that everybody in, anticipates for the Eagles offense. They need to get the running game going. Running the ball three times does not help. You got to give your offense a chance. Give the offensive line a chance. This is going to be the third off- starting offensive line combination in four games. Got to give them an opportunity to get settled in the game. Whenever you're pass blocking 90% of a football game and you're allowing that de- defensive line just to rush up on you, you're, you're not helping any nothing. You're not helping them out. It just doesn't work. So the Eagles have to find a way to get things going offensively on the ground to help out the offensive line and to help out the passing game. The run game can set up the pass game because it can set up play actions. And when you get Jalen Hurts on the outside on a play action, you know, maybe he'll be able to hit a deep pass to a, to a Quez Watkins, find a Devontae Smith open uh, quicker, maybe give Jalen Rager a chance. So they, they have to find a way, Connor. Like, I, don't, I, I can't think of another anything else to say, but get the run game going, which will open up the pass game. Definitely. No, I couldn't agree more. Offensively, definitely got to get that run game going. Does that mean overcompensate like you were talking about earlier? No, don't run on first and second down and then only throw on third down. Don't don't bury yourself uh, down the rabbit hole because people because you got upset that people talked, you know, talk poorly about your game plan. And he just has to show that he can adjust, that he's making the right decision, that he's not going to do three and outs in a minute or less over and over again and put his defense and the defense is already backed against the wall against the offense like you said so you do not want to put them in a situation where not only are they backed against the wall because this Kansas City Chiefs high octane offense is going to throw and run and do things at will against them but you'd be backing them against the wall similar to the situation with the Dallas Cowboys where they're exhausted where they're beaten down where they can't stop a run they can't stop a pass and Jonathan Gannon, he has to he has to learn to to, you know, game plan and change his game plan up too. if you see that you you're getting a beat now, Clyde Edwards alert. I don't think that we're going to get abused like we saw Zeke and Pollard. That's a one two combination that not many teams have that can take advantage of you for uh, an average of five yards per carry like that. But 
you still have to account for it. But if the too high safety look isn't working or whatever, this is probably the team it's going to work against. Because you got Travis Kelsey, you got Tyreek Hill, you're trying to keep the big play in front of you, you're trying to keep the high-octane offense down. Um, but Jonathan Gannon has to learn to adapt and shift his game plan to what is going on in front of him. And that is something we didn't see. Same with Sirianni. They're young coaches. They're young coordinators. We get it. First-time play caller on one side of the ball. And Jonathan Gannon, he's called plays before, but we know that he's also stuck with the too-high safety look um, in his young, in his, uh, as in Indianapolis. So this is kind of the expectation, but at the same point, you have to evolve and you have to work on changing your looks and kind of help help your different aspects of your team out that are struggling like that. When the linebackers are struggling, you have to be able to help. But I think that also comes to versatility at the safety position as well. And we don't really have much versatility. Ronnie, no, we don't Ronnie have, McLeod's coming back. Maybe he is coming back, which is a good thing. That's huge. But we lost Kevon Wallace. So you take one to lose one. But I mean, what I'm talking like Malcolm Jenkins, those guys who can get down in the box and do the dirty work, you know, and help out those linebackers overcompensate for the situations that they're in. Um, it be nice to have Jalen Mills right now. <laughs> oddly enough, oddly enough. <laughs> We don't like to say it too loud, but oddly enough, it it's, it's exactly somebody like that. Same situation. But I just want to see them, you know, be able to adapt to the game plan that they've created, being able to change the game plan that they created, and doing their best. You know what? At the end of the day, once we hit our prediction point, I'm not I'm not suspecting a very close game. I'm expecting it to be over a one-score game. Uh, for in favor of the Kansas City Chiefs, but we want to see more than what we saw last week. We saw nothing last week that we can be happy about, except for we love Miles Sanders and we need Miles Sanders. And boy, Javon Hargrave was worth his extension now. Mm-hmm, definitely worth the signing. Um, and again, the Eagles' defensive ends need to find a way to make plays. Brandon Graham is sorely missed, as I mentioned earlier. Um, Ken Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett and Ryan Kerrigan, who... He's played like 87 snaps and has yet to record a tackle as an Eagle. Find a way to start making plays uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles defense. All right, Connor, prediction time. Who you got? Score. Let's go. I'd also like to point out I'd like to see the tight ends more involved. I understand they saw 11 targets between the two of them last week. But if you look back at some of those targets, Jalen Hurts was really trying to force things to Goddard and Zach Hurts. So it'd be nice to see them create some space and then be used because mm-hmm. it feels like Jalen Hurts is staring down his one read as a wide receiver, whether it's a big play or a short play, but he's not actually hitting like guys like Goddard or Ertz or Watkins. It's like he doesn't realize where his dump offs are and those people who can really help him in a jam. It feels like he just wants to use his legs and leave the pocket. Um, but yeah, uh, for me, prediction, oh man, this is going to be ugly. I think it's going to be ugly. Um, I want to point out, you know what? I, I didn't predict completely right last week, but I wasn't super far off. I think I predicted 31-27 for Dallas. Dallas put up a lot more and the Eagles put up a lot less. Um, but I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs this week, and I think that they're going to do, I'm going... 34 to 21. I think it's going to be something similar to what we saw last week, like at least a one score game for sure. And if not, I have some serious concerns with the Kansas City Chiefs, and we're going to have a really serious conversation that's going to have to be had next week about what we saw. 
Yeah, we'll see how we'll, we'll see what happens. I think Kansas City easily wins this game. I'm going 45-17. Um, it, it's not. It's going to be ugly. Um, the link is going to be rocking for the uh, for the first half. Shady uh, gets recognized after the first quarter, and then from there, yeah, it's going to be downhill. Um, yeah, and like because she's going to score it well. Just like you said, like the Chiefs are angry. They are going to put points up, and they aren't going to stop. Kind mm-hmm. of just like Tom Brady and the Bucks. They just keep throwing the ball. They don't resort to the run game to kill clock or anything. They just continue to put the points up at will when they're ahead. And that's sadly what I feel will happen as well. I didn't want to go as high as 40 from my <laughs> prediction standpoint, but I agree with you. Like, they're going to go, and they're not going to stop. Yeah, yeah. This is this is their get get right game um, for, for the Chiefs to prove why they are the uh, AFC form previous the two time AFC champs and the Super Bowl champion from a couple of years ago. So I have forty five seventeen Chiefs. You have thirty four twenty one. Yep. Chiefs. Well, regardless of whatever it is, we both have the uh, Eagles getting their butts kicked, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and then, but you're right. I mean. If there's a game that, that the Eagles will show up for and show out for, this really could be it. But they are really staring one and six in the face. Well, thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hours. The Philadelphia Eagles get set to face the Kansas City Chiefs in Philly. Andy Reid's big return to the link. Please, as always, follow us on Twitter at the Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10 and follow me on Twitter at LJHarrell54. And follow our partners over at Sports Talk Philly uh, at Sports Talk PHL. Um, and Connor's got his preview piece he's working on and will be, um, excuse me, and will be um, putting probably up later today, Connor. I'm hoping later today or first thing tomorrow morning. First thing tomorrow morning. Um, so thank you for listening to. The Kelly Green Hour. Fly, Eagles, fly.